athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Thank you for joining me on another edition of the program, wherever and however you may be listening. Thank you for making us a part of your day, whether you're listening on Sirius XM or one of your favorite radio stations around the country. Listen, on last week's program, we talked a lot about Ed Reed and Bethune-Cookman. Well, the saga continues, sort of. So... After we, shortly after we got, maybe a couple of hours after we got off the air, uh, Ed Reed, through his foundation, released a statement to say, basically, that neither he nor Bethune-Cookman University could come to a mutual agreement in terms of a contract, and uh, basically, therefore, they were going to part ways, and then, uh, shortly thereafter, that same day, Bethune-Cookman University came out with a, a statement saying, uh, basically the the same thing in essence that they that well really that uh, Bethune Cookman was going to part ways and and that Ed Reed would not be the new head football coach there at Bethune Cookman and a couple of other videos ever since Ed Reed and Bethune Cookman made their statements Ed Reed uh, did what uh, I guess was sort of like um, a press conference type of deal but he was talking with players and uh, players of the Bethune-Cookman program and parents I guess others were in the room as well and he was very animated very upset really one it was a conversation really uh, that even Deion Sanders came on it was uh, I think it was may have been TikTok or whatever it was uh, one of the social mediums and uh, he was really upset and talked about the, the program and how much he had put into it and all of those kinds of things. But I'm going to tell you what. I, mean, I think Bethune-Cookman made the right move in my mind. I mean, remember, last week I said I, my message to Bethune-Cookman was cut bait now. You cannot have, and again, I'm going to harken back to the first video um, and then talk about the, the new ones because he also had, meaning Ed Reed, had a lot to say on Roland Martin Unleashed that I'm going to really talk about uh, today. And listen, this will probably be, uh, hopefully, uh, the last time that we even broach this subject. I, I mean, we've got to talk about it because uh, it's important to the uh, to the HBCU community. Uh, and I think it shed some light. I mean, I think this situation shed light on some of maybe the issues that Bethune-Cookman has, but also some of the issues that our HBCUs have as a whole. And every now and again, these type of things happen. Let's go back to 2013 
when when Grant when uh, Grambling decided to fire uh, perhaps its favorite son in Doug Williams when he was the head football coach there, and a lot came out. Remember, the players went on strike, did not play that next game against Jackson State, and that really cost Grambling a lot, a lot of bad publicity, but it brought awareness to some of the issues at. Uh, maybe I guess at at our schools as a whole, meaning HBCUs, but certainly uh, at Grambling, and I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm you know I hadn't heard anything much lately about uh, things not being great at Grambling, but it, that was a you know that was a process. And remember, uh, Broderick Fobbs then was hired as uh, the new head football coach. Had a lot of success there uh, at Grambling, also. Uh, but listen, this you know, but again, to me, that's a little bit of a different situation as I talked about last week and I don't I don't know all of the issues at Bethune Cookman. This is what I know about Bethune Cookman. I want to talk about I want to talk about this. I want to reiterate this from last week. This is what I know about Bethune Cookman. What I know about Bethune Cookman, it is that it's a not only a small HBCU but it's a private school. Okay? It is a private school. Uh, basically I, I think the merger between two schools, Mary McLeod, Dr. Mary McLeod uh, Bethune, you had uh, the Cookman Institute, uh, Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune's College. They merged to form Bethune Cookman, I think right around 1922, 1923. And that school had to, I mean, she did a lot for that school because she had a lot of connections. You talk about connections to uh, the White House at that time through Eleanor Roosevelt, Miss Eleanor Roosevelt, and all of the different connections that she was able to to contact uh, to be able to allow for that school uh, to be in existence, okay? You're in the state of Florida during those times all the way through now. Think about that. Even today, Bethune-Cookman survives. I would say hashtag miracle that Bethune-Cookman is still around. It's a private school. It's got to, you know, it doesn't have the same benefits that some of our state institutions has. So have, so, uh, or has, so therefore to even be here is a miracle in of itself. Now, I don't know all of the issues. I mean, from an athletic standpoint, I mean, the, the university plays its football games at a city field at the Daytona beach municipal, uh, field or municipal stadium. Uh, the basketball arena, which is on campus is one of, if not the smallest in division one, the baseball program plays its games, uh, at the, I think it's the AAA affiliate of the uh, Chicago Cubs, which is a, which is, I think is a, it's a decent facility. You know, it's a, it's a pro facility. So, but, but again, you know, tapping into the resources of the city of Daytona beach with partnerships and things of that nature. Okay. So it doesn't have what a lot of the other schools have in terms of all the trash and all that. Again, you know, I, I, I don't, that a lot of that, if, what Ed Reed was saying was true in terms, and he showed it, right? He showed the trash. That's not what I'm, not necessarily saying that, but I don't know where the trash came from. I'm still, I don't know about all of that. But I, I would say this, what has come out since then is that uh, students have uh, have protested as well. There's been talk about mold on campus. I think the president even said as much that there is mold. He may have modified, may have not been mold, but he may have mildew is what he said, mildew. I mean, that's that's inexcusable. I mean, you got to be better than that, Bethune-Cookman. Okay, and so I think those things were brought to light that I think 
can be improved upon, will be improved upon quickly. Listen, if this was my alma mater, okay, what I would do immediately, immediately is uh, I would go and be part of the cleanup. So whatever we're trying to do, maybe, you know, if, 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 if there's trash on campus or whatever the case may be, I would try to be part of the cleanup. If the, the mold mildew needed to be removed, tell me how much, I mean, that's not, I don't think that's something you can do. I mean, that has to be done professionally. Tell me how much that costs so that I can help write a check or give some money to be part of that program, uh, part of the solution of that. I can't have Bethune Cookman is looking terrible out here in these streets. Okay. Bad reputation. Um, all of these things come into life and, and, and maybe not necessarily, I mean, I don't like the way it was portrayed, but this is not necessarily the worst thing because it does shine a light on some of the problems at Bethune Cookman and hopefully that those problems can be fixed. Now, let me get back to the Ed Reed situation. It comes on the Roland Martin program. I watched the uh, Roland Martin Unleashed. I watched the entire thing. I think he, to me, he's more hurt that he can't be the head football coach at Bethune Cookman, that Bethune Cookman said no. And I think what I think what Ed Reed has to understand is you can say you made a mistake by making that first TikTok video. You can talk about it being a mistake all day. At the end of the day, that video embarrassed Bethune-Cookman University when it did not need to be embarrassed that way. It also embarrassed Ed Reed as well because it was extremely unprofessional in that particular setting. Extremely unprofessional. Uh, I thought I thought his unprofessionalism uh, to a lot of degree uh, showed in the video that he made after he released the statement he released on Saturday and Bethune Cookman released the statement as well. Um, he had that sort of impromptu uh, press conference, which, by the way, I believe happened on the campus of Bethune Cookman. Listen, if you're moving on and you're Bethune Cookman, you get security. OK, and you escort him off if, if this if you're saying we're truly severing ties this is how things normally work you get security and he's escorted off campus I think that's a mistake that Bethune Cookman made as well then here on Martin uh on the Roland Martin Unleashed program uh you know he was he 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 shed some tears from what I could see I could understand and feel his passion the he's, the players uh, he, he was very concerned specifically about three players that were top players that enrolled because uh, of him and where they were going to go. Um, and, um, you know, he said this hurts. He, he said he turned down uh, the Jackson State job after Dion left to take this job. He, he mentioned Grambling. He said Grambling. And he had um, he had a gentleman, Roe Parrish. Some of the, you may know that name. That was sort of his advocate and trying to speak for him a little bit uh, to kind of uh, bring, uh, you know, not have him be so raw. I would say sort of be his publicist, but at times that didn't work because Ed Reed would overtalk Roe Parrish as well. So uh, it's an unfortunate situation. Uh, I think quite frankly, Bethune Cookman made the right move. And what Ed Reed has to understand is the video, that first video is the reason Bethune Cookman is not moving forward with Ed Reed. You cannot bounce back from that. You can apologize all you want. That was an embarrassment uh, to Bethune Cookman on a national stage. 
And I don't blame Bethune-Cookman one bit because that's the kind of unprofessionalism I think that could, uh, you know, permeate throughout the course of time with Bethune, with uh, Ed Reed as the head football coach there at Bethune-Cookman. And by the way, Ed Reed and his reps trying to sit down and have a conversation with Bethune-Cookman to reconsider. So we'll certainly see how that plays out. Still to come here on the program, we're talking NBA. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Bryan City Media, going to join us on the program. Also, NFL playoff talk. Stay tuned for more of the program. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? Low-cost airlines. With one call to low-cost airlines, you'll drastically slash your travel costs. We're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations. Where would you like to go? London, Rome, Costa Rica, Australia? Wow, that's cheap. So why wait? Call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the U.S. or international. Our prices are so low, we can't publish them. The only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airlines travel. It's that easy. So call now and start packing. 800-303-3398. 800-303-3398. That's 800-303-3398. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Box to Box to Box to Here we come here on Box to Row. We're going to talk some NBA with Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. Going to join us on the program. A lot happening in the NBA. Also, we're going to talk with Alcorn State head men's basketball coach Landon Bussey. Here on the program, Alcorn State having another good season under Landon Bussey. So we're going to talk with him today on the show. January 26th, 2020. Where were you when you heard that Kobe Bryant had died in the helicopter? He and his his daughter and others died in that helicopter accident back in 2020. And that was just a few days ago. I can remember... Uh, my daughter had a little, it wasn't practice, like softball practice, but it was like 
little bit of a hitting workout and we were with some of the uh, her other teammates and uh, I think my wife called me and uh, and notified me of that. I was like, well, she said it was on CNN. I was like, what? I, I couldn't believe it. Certainly looked online and everybody was talking about it. And man, three years later, I mean, it's unbelievable because we're all going to go at some point. But a lot of times people of that stature and more so young people don't just don't pass away like that. So uh, still, I mean, it's still unbelievable what a legacy uh, that Kobe Bryant left. And it's still beloved. He's still beloved, particularly in Los Angeles, which, by the way, we're going to be in Los Angeles uh, next week. A live broadcast of this of Box to Row. We're going to be at the Clash, uh, the NASCAR uh, event that kicks off. It's sort of the newer event. I think this is the second year of the Clash. Normally, the Daytona 500 kicked off kicks off the season so this it, the Daytona 500 still kicks off the season this is more of an exhibition uh, but we're looking forward to it we're going to do a live broadcast on the box to row YouTube page it's going to be on Saturday we haven't determined the time as of yet but you can log on to box uh, or you can log on to our social media uh, on Twitter at box to row b-o-x-t-o-r-o-w on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W, and on Instagram, B-O-X, T-O-R-O-W, and uh, to find out the time, but it's going to be Saturday. We're going to do a live broadcast. Looking forward to that. We're going to have plenty of guests and very much looking forward to our live broadcast from the Clash or the day prior to the Clash on next Saturday. So check us out on the Box to Row YouTube page. So... National Football League, we had the divisional round of the playoffs and not a lot of surprises went three and one. The only game that I missed was the Bengals and the Bills. And I mean, that was really a tough game uh, for me anyway. It was a tough game to pick. Um, The Cowboys 49ers was a little bit closer maybe than I thought it may be. And we'll talk about that game and we'll talk about the conference championship games, the Eagles are hosting the 49ers and the uh, Chiefs uh, and the Bengals are playing. And so we're going to talk more about that. I was really surprised. I, mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I can't really say I was surprised that the Bengals beat the Bills. It wasn't that. I think it was more of the manner in which the Bengals beat the Bills. Remember, the Bengals had three starting offensive linemen out. Okay, it wasn't like the Bengals' offensive line was great, but you figure if you're going to bring some reserves into an offensive line already, that's not great. That doesn't bode well. Now, weather could have been a factor, and it was, but it was a factor for both teams. Like, it wasn't just uh, going against the Bills. I looked at, I watched that game, The Bengals' offensive line absolutely dominated the Bills' defensive line. Now, you can look at it from a standpoint if you're playing in the snow, the offensive lineman or the the team that's going forward, if you will, going to have probably more of an advantage than the team that is sort of backpedaling. But you're both trying to go forward, uh, right? But generally, more times than not, offensive 
The offenses are going to pick up positive yards more times than they're going to get negative yards. And so when you have sort of that traction, I mean, I, I, I got all of that. Conversely, when the Bills had the football, the Bills could not run it against the Bengals' defense. That was the thing about it. I mean, the Bills, the Bengals absolutely dominated. I thought Burrow was solid, but it was that run game. Joe Mixon, uh, P. Ryan, and that offensive line was sensational. And give the Bengals a lot of credit defensively. I think, you know, a lot of when I watched the Bengals and what the Bengals were able to do last year in terms of making that run in the uh, in the playoffs was from a defensive standpoint. I just thought that the Bengals' defense was very much underrated. That was just a dominating performance, one that I did not see coming. You know, the 49ers and the Cowboys, I mean, Dak Prescott, you know, again, what I tried to say last week, he's like a mix somewhere between what we saw against the Commanders and then what we saw uh, against the Buccaneers. 49ers have an elite defense, so you knew it was going to be a little bit different. I give the Cowboys a lot of credit for hanging around. I think the Cowboys have, as I've always said, an elite type of defense as well. It, it, uh, you know, it wasn't like Brock Purdy was great, but he was solid, uh, right? But they have a lot, meaning the 49ers have a lot of weapons. And listen, the difference in that game were the two interceptions by Prescott. He continues to throw interceptions. And, you know, it's, it's very unfortunate. I mean, what do you do going forward if you're the Cowboys? Now, I thought it was interesting that the Cowboys got rid of a couple of, uh, of a couple of uh, offensive and defensive assistants this week, but we didn't. We Kellen Moore is still there. Mike McCarthy is still there, I guess. For now, I mean, I really don't see that Mike McCarthy is going to lose his job. But to get it got rid of a couple, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's more of a statement towards Mike McCarthy, because I don't think these are. This is Mike McCarthy getting rid of these offensive assistants. I think it's. Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones that are getting rid of these assistants. And I think it's more of a statement to Mike McCarthy. I, I, I never really thought his job was in jeopardy, but I think coming into this season, it is. But Dak's got to play better. I mean, that's the bottom line. The defense played well. You know, yeah, Tony Pollard got hurt. I think that was, I mean, that definitely hurt. But, I mean, you've got Elliott there. Like, Elliott has not done much of anything since he got the money. Not much. I think he may have had one really good season or one or one good season since he got paid. He hasn't done much of anything. So that's an unfortunate deal for the Cowboys. I think the 49ers were the better team anyway and ended up winning that game. I mean, the Eagles absolutely dominated the Giants and, uh, you know, give the Jaguars credit. They're, they're, they're coming. I think they're a team that's, that's going to be on the rise uh, maybe on next year. But, you know, you, I mean, what are you going to say? You're going up against the Chiefs. So we've got our matchups, okay? And let's start with the 49ers. Um, we'll start with the 49ers um, and the Eagles. Uh, this game is going to be in Philadelphia. And it's a tough game. It's a tough game to pick because you've got two elite You've got two elite defenses, okay? Um, two elite defenses, and you've got two really good offenses as well. So um, let's let's break this thing down, and we'll we'll start 
I mean, let's look at the um, let's look at the 49ers defense. I mean, when I look at that 49ers defense, I mean, you've got Bosa out there, you've got Warner out there. I mean, that is an elite defense that is gonna that is gonna create a lot of problems. I think for the Eagles potentially. I mean, I look at the Eagles. The Eagles are very very good offensively. You look at Jalen Hurts. You look at that offensive line. You look look at the running game. You look at the wide receivers. I mean, I think the Eagles have it all. And then conversely, if I look at the Eagles' defense, I mean, you've got Javon Hargrave up front. You've got Cox up front. That secondary is really good. Uh, I don't generally look at numbers, but I looked at the numbers. I was interested to see, okay, how really good is the, are the Eagles in the secondary? They're really good in the secondary. I think they're number one in terms of pass defense I believe, don't quote me on that, but I believe number one in pass defense in the National Football League. They're very, very good all the way around. I look at the San Francisco 49ers from an offensive perspective. I mean, Brock Purdy, definitely solid getting the job done. He's got weapons all over the place, although I did say that the 49ers had a lot of weapons going into that Cowboys game, and that Cowboys defense, I mean, it didn't shut the 49ers down, but it did a good job. All of that, to say, I think the Eagles probably are the favorites in this game. The game is in Philly. I'm going to go with an upset, and I'm going to go. With, I'm going to go with the 49ers over the Eagles in Philly. When I look at the Bengals and the Chiefs, I mean Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, two of your maybe the top two quarterbacks in the National Football League. Mahomes has gotten it done. We talked all about Tyreek Hill all year long. I mean. Patrick Mahomes may be your MVP when it's all said and done. But I think that the Chiefs' defense is suspect. It is suspect against a Bengals offense that is led by Burrow. All of those receivers, the run game is good. And the offensive line is showing that it can be good. This is a matchup, a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game. And I think the Bengals' defense is good enough to be able to at least slow down the Chiefs and allow uh, for that uh, for that uh, allow for the Bengals to be able to score on the Chiefs, okay? And I think the I think the Bengals defense can do enough. So in other words, when I say slow them down, so you look at that Chiefs offense. It's you know with Patrick Mahomes, it runs on all cylinders, but I think the Bengals can make the Chiefs settle for some field goals. So maybe a couple of field goals where maybe against a, a, another offense that or defense that isn't as good, we may be talking about touchdowns. And that's what I'm saying. I think the Bengals will do just enough to slow the Chiefs down. And I'm going with two uh, sort of upsets. I mean, I don't know if the – I mean, can you really – I mean, either way, right, but particularly with the Bengals being the – uh, the, the defending champions of the AFC. It's a really an upset if the Bengals beat the Chiefs, but it is on the road, and I've got the Bengals over the Chiefs in KC. Your thoughts, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. We've got more of the program on the other side.
You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. That's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going to uh, WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania. I would say representation is it's not a request. It's a requirement, and I'm going to, to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion. But it's more than just creating a moment and becoming a champion. Just by us standing in the ring, we are representation for women and for Black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the greatest of them all. And and be able to create history. It's just, it's an honor. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, it's really focused. It's really, you know, excited. Rob Manfred is the commissioner of Major League Baseball players that have been accused in their career of using performance-enhancing drugs, should they be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I'm going to focus on one word in your question, okay? Accused. Players who have tested positive or there's otherwise been real solid proof that they were involved with performance-enhancing drugs, I think that Hall of Fame writers are entitled to make their own judgment about those players as to whether they think that performance-enhancing drugs or their use of performance-enhancing drugs should prevent them from being in the Hall of Fame. You cannot determine who used performance-enhancing drugs by the way a player looks. It's simply not possible. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years. You can get to it. <laughs> Man, you know what it's good? And, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better. And, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. Then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to Winston-Salem State University, a uh, black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again. And just having a up-close-and-personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melogs. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. He is Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all the things y'all have done. Congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Winston-Salem State, where I had an absolute ball. The only part that was bad uh, was the basketball because my first year there, I cracked my kneecap in half. If I had one thing that I could do over, it would be that I would be there 100% healthy so I could really showcase what I could do. But outside of that, there's absolutely nothing that I would have changed. It was the greatest years of my life. Simone Biles. I guess I just go in there with a positive, open mind of just doing what we do in training and going out there and doing the best that we can do and just have fun with it. I didn't really think of the outcome, but I knew that we had been training hard and we were re- we were just ready. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So. 
I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Snoop, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have going to Division One. Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to, to the car and I was driving it in the first eight games and you know, being a part of something special like that and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. The Alcorn State Braves winners of their last six basketball games on a bit of a roll. As a matter of fact, uh, on Saturday, going to be at Southern coming off a victory on Monday versus Bethune-Cookman. Landon Bussey is in his third season as the head men's basketball coach at Alcorn State. He joins us here on Box to Row. Happy New Year to you, Coach Bussey. Welcome back to the program. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me on your uh, on your program. Absolutely. Always good to have you. Your thoughts. I just want to kind of get your thoughts on the way the season is going to this point. You guys have won six straight ball games. Yeah, we started um, losing a close game um, to Jackson State um, by one point. Um, I just was proud of how my guys responded. Um, the next game against Alabama and and the Alabama State. Uh, we could have, you know, tanked it, could have held our heads, but we did a good job of responding, bouncing back. Um, now we're on a six-game winning streak, and hopefully we're able to maintain that. Yeah, what's been the difference in this six-game winning streak? Because you're you're right at, right, but just a game below 500, which would mean you were 3-10 and 10 at one point. So, you know, what's the difference? What, what, why are you playing such good basketball right now? Um, I think it was just, you know, take time for you know for you to get gelled up and um to the season especially when you're coming off of 13 non-conference role games um against some really tough schools tennessee old miss wichita state um seattle um uh, uh southern illinois you know those are some good basketball teams good programs um and once we got in the conference um like i said we dropped the first one but i think just the chemistry the connection uh, and the, the focus has got a lot better uh, in these last six games. Speak to the victory, a home victory, as mentioned uh, on Monday against Bethune-Cookman. Oh, um, unbelievable win for us. Um, we was able to hang our banner um, Saturday um, against FAMU. So, you know, against Bethune-Cookman, we didn't want to let down. We didn't want to hang over. Uh, we wanted to move past last year and focus on this year. So, um, against a well-coached team, uh, really good basketball players. Uh, we were able to pull out, pull the game out late. We, we started off the game slow. We're down in the first half. I think we just came up with some big-time stops late, made some big-time shots late as well. Um, so for us to, you know, get a win 
on your home court after you hung a banner two nights before. Um, it just shows the, uh, the consistency of what we're trying to build here. Can I take you back? I mean, I get it, right? Like, you, you, you all wanted to move on from last year. You did. But, I mean, if you look at last year, I mean, it was a tremendous turnaround. I mean, you're talking about uh, double digits in terms of the turnaround last season from the previous season. So speak to that in winning the regular season in the SWAC. That's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. We haven't really had success as far as championship-wise on the men's basketball side since 2002. So it's a big deal. Um, it's a great accomplishment to have. It's great for the um, university. It's great for the athletics. And it's great for men's basketball. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a good thing. But, you know, the biggest thing is, man, you want to be consistent. Um, that's what I was preaching my kids all the time is maintain a level of consistency. Um, and so when you do that, you start to put yourself in contention to be a well-coached, um, well um, a very disciplined program and a winning program. Um, you don't, you're not going to get judged off of one year. Um, some people could say, hey, that first year was a fluke or, you know, that first year was lucky. Okay, that's fine. But now you got to put yourself in contention to do this thing two, three, four years in a row to set a tradition as far as winning. Landon Bussey in his third season as the head men's basketball coach at Alcorn State joins us here on Box to Row. You got said something, and, and I, I mean, I've got to revisit that, right? Like your first your first home game or your home game was actually was an exhibition back on October 27th against Tougaloo. Take me through the difficulties or take us through the difficulties of playing all of those games on the road. I get it like you had a – you know, a neutral site game, a couple neutral site games. But the bottom line was, to your point, for 13 games, you were, you were away from home. Yeah, so it, it's tough. Um, but, you know, that's the type of guys you recruit. Tough, tough guys who can grind it out. Just being on the road, uh, playing non-conference games, you know, of course, um, you're not sleeping in your own bed. You're traveling from bus to bus, flight to flight, hotel to hotel. Um, and then you go into an environment where sometimes it's, it's rough on the road as far as the calls you might get or calls you might not get. Um, and then you're playing against well-coached teams. So, um, overall, being on the road is tough. Um, of course, um, being that we don't play home a lot, uh, we want to make sure when we do play home, we protect home court. I think right now, you know, we, we won two games at home. Uh, we dropped one in eight. Um and then we won two against Alabama State, Alabama A&M. So right now we're 4-1 at home. Um, but, you know, our focus right now is going there on the road to Southern and having some success. I mean, I get it. You know, a lot of times you got to play the money games. You get the guarantees and all of those kind of things to the point. It, uh, it, it can be taxing. Are you – I mean, the, the schedule's what it is. But do you – you know, do you, would you prefer more of a mix of – home and away, or do you prefer being on, and you and your team prefer being on the road for that many weeks? Um, it really doesn't matter. I mean, of course, being at home will help you uh, prepare a little different. I mean, we know how to prepare on the road, um, you know, because we're on the road all the time. Of course, when you're at home, you have more distractions. Um, you have students back on campus. You got guys going to class. You got guys going, you know, uh, families doing this and, you know, you have to be careful about making sure guys know what they're supposed to do um, at nighttime. Um, on the road, you got your hands on them a little more as far as, you know, film, what they're going to eat, 
cursive, um, practice, um, and those uh, those things. So, of course, you want to play more home games because you want to have a balance, be able to play well on the road and well at home. But uh, we take whatever, whatever we get. Landon Bussey, the head men's basketball coach at Alcorn State, joins us here on the program. Let's talk some personnel. You got a couple of guys that are, you know, three guys really that are averaging double digits. Dominic Bruton, Keandre Montgomery, uh, Byron Joshua. Speak to how these guys are playing and then some other guys that you feel like have really stepped up for you this season. Um, all three of them guys are playing well. All three of them guys are coming in every day, um, practicing hard, um, being good teammates, and um, sacrificing um, for, for, for the team. Um, of course, Dominique Brewer, I think he leads us in scoring right now. Um, he's an unbelievable threat at all three levels. Um, he can really get the job done on offensive end. Um, so, you know, proud about how he's playing right now. Keandre is a you know, transfer from Mississippi who can shoot the ball um, at a very high level in athletics. Um, so, you know, he's got a unique game. I think he's playing great basketball right now. And the last guy is Byron Joshua, a guy who get downhill, great fathers, um, the point guard, um, and, and can shoot the ball at a high level as well. Um, of course, the guy who stands out the most is probably Jeremiah Kendall, who's, you know, averaging – you know, 12 and 8 um, in conference. Um, I think uh, total, he's only probably averaging about 8 and 7. But in conference, he averaged about 12 and 12 or 13, 8 rebounds. So um, he's a guy who, that post presence, we like to get him the ball early and often to get easy points in the paint. So um, he's definitely a guy that um, has been uh, a bright spot in our offense this year. Landon Bussey, again, the head men's basketball coach at Alcorn State, joining us here on the program. That 2021 season's got to be tough, you know, 6-13. and 13. Uh, But th- as I mentioned, the, the turnaround last year to win the, uh, the, conference, uh, the regular season conference championship and then now a six-game uh, winning streak. Can you speak to how you've been able to really grow the program? And sometimes it, it takes time. you got to get your guys in the right guys in to be able to build a successful program, which you are currently doing. Yeah, just got to get your, your just, just got to get your, your type of guys in. Um, I tell people all the time, you know, um, not saying anything about the past recruits or the guys that was here. Um, you know, different people fit for different situations. Um, just because the situation don't fit for you, and that don't mean that you're not a good basketball player. That don't mean you're not a good basketball player. It just it just don't fit. So you know, just had to get. Some of the guys who I believe that can help me be successful here in the door had to change up the culture a little bit, had to, you know, hold guys accountable um, and clean up the, the discipline. Um, but more so than anything, just, you know, just trying to take brick by brick, making sure that you are doing the right thing, best for the university and the program and the athletic department. So, you know, you had to bring your own guys in, had to bring your own coaching staff in, um, and then just go from there. And then this road trip, the Louisiana road trip, it begins with Southern on Saturday. Your thoughts on the Jaguars and some of the challenges that they present? Um, great team. Really good basketball team, well-coached team. Um, um, veteran team, guys who've been there in the past, guys who understand what the swag is about. Um, we got a guy who transferred in conference. Um, really good basketball player, so... Um, I expect the team to come out with a lot of energy. I expect the team to come out with persistent urgency. I expect the team to come out trying to protect their home court um, and to send a message to let the, you know let people know who's the best team in the SWAC. Um, and, and hopefully we come out with the same urgency. Um, you know, 
think that, you know, they got guys who can put the ball in the basket at a very high level. I think they're going to try to out-tough you, and they're going to try to get up and jam you up and be physical. Um, but I think my guys are ready for the challenge. And then lastly, we appreciate the time. Had a chance to spend some time, a little bit of time with you out in New Orleans on last year at the uh, HBCU All-Star Game. What did it mean to you to be uh, one of the coaches in that game? I meant a lot. You know, I think Travis Williams is doing a great job of uh, promoting it, doing a great job of um, putting this platform out here for HBCU basketball players to get them recognition. That's what it's all about. Um, for these young men um, to get some type of recognition and be seen and put on a platform to where they can showcase their talents. But um, to having the honor to coach the first annual um, HBCU All-Star game, it, it, it's a pleasure um, just to be a part of something like that um, and just to see the growth, um, how well it's going to be uh, this upcoming year in Houston. Alcorn State, 9-10 and 10 on the season, winners of its last six bowl games and going to be on the road, as I mentioned, on Saturday at Southern. Landon Bussey in his third season as the head men's basketball coach at Alcorn State joins us here on Box to Row. Coach Bussey, appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Braves. Thank you so much. First place between Southern and Alcorn State is on the line when the two teams meet on Saturday in Baton Rouge. Again, Landon Bussey, the head men's basketball coach at Alcorn State, joining us here on Box to Row. So we're going to switch gears. Up next here on the program, Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, going to join us. We're going to talk Memphis Grizzlies. We're going to talk L.A. Lakers. They made the trade for Rui Hachimura. Was that a good trade? Does it help the Lakers immensely? We know that Anthony Davis is back. Damian Lillard has been on fire. We'll talk more about that. All things NBA on the table with Mike Wallace, senior editor, Crying City Media, joins us next. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Call the low-cost airline Travel Hotline now for prices so low we can't publish them anywhere. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. Call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. 800-303-3398. 800-303-3398. That's 800-303-3398. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. As promised, we're going to talk some NBA here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman, as a matter of fact, you know him. I mean, he is the senior editor of Grind City 
media doing some big things, not only with the Grizzlies, but HBCU, college football, pop culture, all of that food, all of that, man. He is Mike. He's a Grambling grad. Of course, he's Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. First time on in 2023. What's going on, Mike? Hey, so if that's the case, then it's not too late to say Happy New Year then, man. I always wonder. When when is it too late to wish somebody a happy new year? But since you gave me that intro and this is my first time on uh, in 2023, you know what I mean? I'm glad to be on, blessed to be on, man. All is good. Absolutely, man. And I know you've been on this uh, road trip uh, with the Grizzlies. But let me let me start here. Just sort of a, a, a an interesting deal that happened with uh, the Grizzlies playing at L.A. and Shannon Sharp. I mean, a lot, a lot has been made about that. The Pro Football Hall of Famer, of course, on Fox, on FS1 with Skip and Shannon just seem, you know, it's just, it's kind of, kind of interesting because my thing is with Sharp, I think if that had been a regular person, he may not have been banned, but he certainly would have not been able to come back into the game. I mean, that's just one aspect of it, but I just want to kind of get your thoughts on that whole situation. I, I, I totally agree with that, Donald. I think if it was a regular, you know, regular fan or, or, or a fan that had less of a resume than Shannon Sharp, number one, I don't even think it would have escalated to that point because I think security would have come over way before it got to the point where, you know, players and, 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 and staff had to be involved getting to that side of the court. So it wouldn't even have elevated, escalated to that point, you know what I mean, in terms of how, um, you know, how intense that moment got. I do think it because it was Shannon, people understood that there was an entertainment value to it. It was L.A. It was a lot of things, you know, going on there with Liberties. But, you know, again, Drake does the same thing, man. He mild, he gets mouthy. And I remember in those Toronto games and Spike Lee does the same thing to a certain extent. It, it never gets to the point, though, where, where, you know, players are so offended where they want to go over and confront you uh, to that degree. You know what I mean? So that one got potentially ugly. I'm glad cooler heads prevailed eventually and uh shannon you know shannon came back and apologized man and i think you know it, it wasn't just a two you know two second apology it was a two minute apology and he apologized to everyone he could including you know his grandkid who who won't even be or isn't even a, a, aware of what went on but will be at some point if he googles the incident so you know it's one of those situations man where you know honestly um I, I I I think the Grizzlies, the team that I, I work for, the team that I cover uh, from from brand media perspectives, I, they they have to be smarter than to go over and engage in something like that too. So I think there was a little bit of blame to go around, but fortunately, uh, it didn't get you know any uglier than it got, and words were exchanged, and then everybody came out and apologized and moved on from it much later. Yeah, uh, your your thoughts. Tell us how the Grizzlies are pl- playing. Game aside on Friday against the Timberwolves, having lost uh, to Golden State in a tight game uh, on Wednesday. But just your thoughts on the way the Grizzlies are playing this season. You know, they started the road trip, you know, losing four straight games. So they, that was the longest losing streak of their season so far. They haven't lost four straight games in two years now since Taylor Jenkins' second, second year. Um, you know, and it, ironically, people say, you know, this coincides, you know, right around, right around the time when John Moran says, hey, I'm cool in the West. I'm not worried about pretty much anybody in the West. And all of a sudden, the Lakers get you. Then the Suns get you. You know, and then Sacramento blows you out by 33 for the second worst loss that you've had this season. Um, you know, and then Golden State, a team that, you know, you claim as a rival, they, they look at you like a little brother, and, and they keep beating you. They beat you again. They won 8 out of 10 against you in Golden State and uh, beat you Christmas night. 
beat you this week and then beat you, you know, uh, in the series last year in the playoffs. So, you know, until the Grizzlies can get by some of these teams consistently, and, and particularly in the postseason, you know, they still have work to do. And, and, and I think that's a, a, a fair and a balanced and, and, and an honest way to look at it. You know what I mean? you got to be accountable for, for what you, what you want to be. I know this is one of the most talented teams in the league, second-best record in the West, pushing Denver for the best record in the West, and uh, they currently have the best home record in the NBA right now. Uh, and they were 20-3 and three through 23 home games. So they have a lot going for them. It's just a matter of getting over that, that hump from a maturity standpoint, uh, taking that next step around superstars like John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., and filling in with the, you know, emerging guys like Desmond Bain. And, you know, it's going to be tough, though, now because Steven Adams, your big rugged center, is going to be out for a month. Uh, that's going to be a tough hole to fill, man, considering all that Steven Adams did for this team. Yeah. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. Check his work out at grindcitymedia.com. He joins us here on Box to Row. I want to get your thoughts from both perspectives with the trade between the Lakers and the Wizards. Rui Hachimura goes to uh, to the Lakers from the Wizards. The Wizards in exchange get uh, a three second round uh, draft picks and Kendrick Nunn. Um, your thoughts from both uh, perspectives. I, you know, I, I would look at it like this from Washington's perspective. Like I get why Washington did not um, did not try to to uh, maybe not even picked up his his uh, what fourth or fifth year option with Hachimura. I mean, I get that from the Washington perspective. Probably hasn't lived up to what they thought he would be. But your thoughts from both sides of this? You know, I, I it, it seems like on the surface when you look at the resume and 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 what um, you know equity that Washington put into drafting Rui. I think he was eighth overall. He was a top ten pick for sure. Right. Right. Um, and, and you talk about drafting a guy in the lottery and it doesn't work out. It seems like it's been a steady stream of those kind of things for the Grizzlies going back to the, uh, the Jan Vesley pick back in the first round. You know what I mean? Guy, it seems like for a decade now, Washington has missed on some, some key guys. Now, obviously Bradley Bill worked out, John Wall worked out, but ever since then, I can't, I can't think of a first round pick that they've had. Um, that's, that's really, you know, that they really developed into being, you know, a frontline star since Bradley Bill. So, you know, and I could be overlooking someone or mistaken, but I don't think I am. No. I think for Rui, Rui, it's a fresh start for him, and he'll be able to learn behind LeBron James, similar body type. Uh, he's got to put in the work ethic. He has to love the game of basketball. And I don't know if he, he comes across uh, as a guy that loves the game of basketball. I know he's talented. He's strong. He's in that tweener position where he's he's built like a four. He's a – you know, one of those guys that you think can can you know be a lot better. Uh, the sky's still the ceiling. You know, ceiling is still the sky for him in terms of you know what his upside and his potential is. And and I just I hope it works out in L.A. I know L.A. is desperate to get some more players in there, uh, particularly to add some depth. And they feel like they can make a run right now. Um, they're almost you know getting back to 500 uh, with the way they've been playing. Had a couple big time wins, beat the Grizzlies, and then went to Portland, rallied from a big hole to beat Portland too. So. You know, and, and then they took a loss, obviously, to the Clippers after that. But this is a team that's fighting for their playoff lives, and I think Rui will give them another piece that's going to be productive. From the Wizards' standpoint, you, you would think that they would get more. Three second-round draft picks aren't going to get you much. And uh, Kendrick Nunn, at one point, this guy was the Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month, you know, a couple years back. Um, he was talking with John Moran about who was, who was going to be the best rookie guard of that class that came in a couple years ago. He hasn't lived up to that. 
but he'll be a bit player that comes off your bench or even starts. Um, he can give you some 20-point games here and there. Uh, decent shooter. He will defend, but he's not going to be anything that, you know, that you're going to look up five years from now, and Kendrick Nunn is still, like, you know, with the Washington Wizards at that point. That the voice, of course, of Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joins us here on the program. You can follow him on Twitter at MyMikeCheck. I look at Damian Lillard. He drops the 60 points um, on Wednesday. He's just been building up. And in the way that Portland is playing, I mean, they're playing really well. You got, you know, Grant and all these guys that are that are playing well. He decides to stay. I mean, is this is this a team with the way Dame is playing that can get back to where it was, say, what, a couple of years ago? I think they made it to the Western Conference Finals maybe a couple a couple of years right. ago. I mean, and, right. and, and he's just playing at an unbelievable level right now. Yeah, I mean, they, that, that year they made it, they got swept, you know, and, and they, they just weren't able to, you know, to get much further than that. And obviously Golden State was dominating during those years. But having said that, I mean, Portland is a solid, solid team. I mean, they're, they're never bad enough to really drop completely into the lottery and, and go through a major rebuild. But they haven't been good enough uh, to get Damian Lillard. One of, you know, he's going to go down as one of the top 50 players in this league, in league history, with the way that he's able to play and what he's able to do. Um, he, he just isn't able to take that next step and, and get to that level. Um, he's been loyal to Portland. You know, he's talked about that. That's one of the reasons why he wears the number zero because, you know, he's from Oakland. Um, he played college ball in Ogden, Utah. Um, and, and now, you know, he's in Portland, Oregon for the O there too. So, you know, he's a loyal guy. Uh, he doubled down. He stayed even though they went through a sort of a retool. And, um, you know, they could be dangerous if they could put some, some, some guys together. I love – the youth that they have. I love, you know, Anthony Simons. I love, you know, Shaden Sharp. I love, you know, you know, Nurkic when he's healthy and, and really, really ready to play. I think Grant is a guy that's going to help them on the front line. But it seems like, you know, they can never get all healthy at the same time and they can't put together two straight weeks of sustained consistency. If they can do that, they will be a tough out. But they have a, a tough hill to climb in the West because if you look at the standings in the West, a lot of teams – from one all the way down to like 13 are all bunched up. Uh, a lot of teams are going to be competing for that play in. And then whoever emerges from that is going to be another knockdown drag out, you know, in terms of the one, two, three seeds going up against the, you know, six, seven, eight seeds at that point. Lastly, we got about 60 seconds. Are you, are you surprised yeah. maybe with the way Brooklyn is playing without Kevin Durant, Kyrie has really come on as of late? No, I'm not. I'm not now because what, what Kevin Durant did, you know, um, for a while is, is set the tone, you know, Jock Vaughn, give him credit for, for really stepping in and, and adding defense to them and giving them a purpose to play for as a coach. Um, so they, they turned their season around and then they took ownership of the season and they said, no one's going to get us out of this, but us, they put together that, you know, that big winning streak. And then Kevin gets hurt. Now they have a standard to set. And now they have, uh, you know, a level that they got to play to every single night. And Kyrie Irving uh, is, is picking up the slack right now until Kevin gets back. And uh, we'll see where they are. But that East, man, the top of that East is going to be brutal. You know, when you talk about Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Boston, you know, Cleveland, all, any four of those teams can come out of there and, and win the East, and it wouldn't surprise me. Check him out at CrimeCityMedia.com. Also follow him on Twitter at MyMikeCheck. He talks NBA with us ever so often, and i tell you what, Nobody does it better. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joins us here on Box to Row. Mike, appreciate the time, man. We'll catch up with you real soon. Hey, anytime, anytime, D. Thanks a lot, man. My time is about up.
I thank you for yours. Thank you to Landon Bussey, the head men's basketball coach at Alcorn State, Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, for joining us today here on Box to Row. We've got great content on our website, conversations, stories, features, etc. All can be found on our website, boxtorow.com. And always remember to support those that support Yo, Box Toro is produced by DW Communications.